Time is ticking. Trump and the debt clock. Will Congress and the White House ever agree on a budget plan? We talk the politics of deficit spending. The Fury Theory starts right now. The Fury Theory podcast brought to you by EFB Advocacy. You know, this is uh, an arcane subject, not a very exciting subject, but John Easton, it's actually a really important subject because Congress and the White House, if they don't agree on a spending plan, you know, uh, and, and especially to extend the debt limit, the kind of, the economy kind of collapses. What's your reading? Do you think that they're going to come up with any kind of agreement? Well, I, I think that it was uh, just a few, even as recently as a week ago, it was really up in the air as to whether the debt limit uh, was truly getting closer and closer to, you know, reaching the, the limit. And um, it appears now that uh, we're looking at, even with extraordinary measures that the Treasury can use to keep us going, looks like mid-September. Right. And, and, and what that's going to force, I think, a lot of this to happen. And, and we've talked about this on this podcast a, a fair amount over the last couple of years about how we really lurch between cliffs, you know, between, um, you know, oh, we're either going to we're reaching the debt limit or we're, you know, the fiscal year is ending and, you know, we're, we're going to be out of money or we're going to go to the shutdown. We just, just just happened this spring. Right. So now we're at it again this this fall. So uh, it is very real. And I think that the White House now is getting very, very serious, much more serious about pushing for a deal on on a, on a spending package that will likely combine the debt ceiling. vote. So, Adam, the president had a wonderful Fourth of July celebration. There was tanks. There was a flyover. There were great fireworks. Democrats didn't like the spending, which is about a, a million and a half dollars for D.C., which wasn't it wasn't that expensive. That being said, if the D- Defense Department had to go through a defense sequester um, because they couldn't come up with any kind of spending deal. That would be kind of bad for the president, right? After he talked about how important our military was to our let, let, national heritage. I, I, I'm going to go out on a limb and say not only would it be bad for the president, it would be bad for the United States of America. <laughs> um, yes, the president has highlighted what has been an important priority for him, which is to rebuild America's military um, and funding the DOD at appropriate levels and then pulling back would be catastrophic to our defense posture and readiness. And uh, that's just the substance of it. Politically, um, it's untenable position. And, you know, let's be cynical for a second in the sense that the president uh, is big on what he's been able to achieve he talks about it all the time but he's happy to have the issue as well he'd love to be able to flog this thing um because his base knows and believes deeply in this and uh it's a great opportunity to show daylight between him and the democrats on a very and i hate to say this for many patriotic issue um john easton dick cheney used to say that deficits don't really matter politically do the voters care about deficit spending? When, when the Tea Party was huge and Barack Obama was president, Republicans used to talk about the debt and the deficit, and they used to flog uh, the, the Democrats for spending too much money. Well, Republicans are spending a lot of money, um, but politically, does it matter? 
Well, you could even reverse the question. I mean, you know, when do members of Congress care about the debt? And it really is when voters start to care about the debt. And we just really haven't seen it in a long time. Uh, you could maybe go back to there was the contract with America. I think that that was a you remember this. I mean, I think that that was one of the highlights. That was one because there was that that groundswell, that grassroots um, surge of those type of issues and, you know, restraint, having some fiscal discipline, whether it was entitlements or whether it was discretionary spending. Uh, but right now, I feel like we're in a in, a, in just a, a, a free spending era right now. Point, point of order, Mr. Chairman, um, to the Honorable John Easton, uh, take us back to 2011-2012 in the Budget Control Act that spawned sequestration. The sequester was supposed to be a programmatic across-the-board budget cut that affected non-discretionary and uh, DOD spending, DOD at a higher level. Was that not a time that was driven by uh, a greater upset or concern of the American people for deficit spending? I guess you could say that it, it, it was. It was all part of the, the sausage making of trying to get a deal. And um, you know, that's what we came up with. Was it, in the end, it didn't turn out to be a great instrument because we keep having to raise the sequestration caps. Yeah, and keep in mind that a lot of this was driven by guys like Paul Ryan who would go around and talk about a, a, we need to do something about um, entitlements. Mm-hmm. We need to do some, something about Social Security. Even George W. Bush talked about perhaps doing something about Social Security because that was on a glide path towards bankrupting the country. You know, the Medicare, um, Medicaid trustees report is pretty grim. Social Security is supposed to run out of money pretty soon. And yet, politically, the president has gotten a lot of traction by saying, I'm not going to touch Social Security and I'm not going to touch Medicare. Um, And so, you know, John Easton, it seems to me that the politics for Trump were don't screw around with white middle class voters who are older who don't want you to touch Social Security. It could be that. It also could be maybe this is giving him too much political credit. It could be him saying, you know, I'm not going to be able to do this with uh, uh, with with Democrats. It's probably going to have to be a Democrat president who's going to have to rein in entitlements. You know, they're the ones, they're the great protectors of, or they're seen to be the great protectors of Medicare, Social Security. Um, And so it is likely going to, A, it's going to take a crisis. Uh, It is going to take a, you know, some sort of an impending deadline. And it is is probably going to have to take a Democratic president to to show some leadership on, as, as entitlements eat up our entire budget. And talking about Adam Belmar, the entitlement versus discretionary issue, and most people in the country don't know what that means. Discretionary spending is the money that the Congress authorizes every year. Um, it, entitlement spending is those things that Congress authorized generally, but they're on their glide path by themselves. And so welfare isn't mostly entitlement spending social security is all entitlement spending medicare is entitlement spending and medicaid is half owned by the states half owned by the federal government the discretionary funding is things like money for nih discretionary spending has not been going up nearly as much as entitlement spending but discretionary spending in many ways 
could be the solution to the increase in entitlement spending. And give me an example of that. So a perfect example, John Fury, of what you're talking about is uh, something that a number of leaders in the United States Congress, uh, personified by Roy Blunt uh, from the United States Senate. We are putting money into areas like Alzheimer's research. It can have a profound effect in, the, in going forward in helping to bring down the cost. Here's what he said. Uh, Alzheimer's, uh, I talked about a little bit during the debate on this bill uh, the other day. You know, we're already spending in tax dollars about $277 billion state and federal put together to deal with Alzheimer's and dementia care. $277 billion is roughly half the defense budget. Uh, and if we don't do something to find a way to, uh, uh, to change the trajectory of Alzheimer's as the demographics change, uh, by 2050, it'd be twice the defense budget, $1.1 of today's dollars. So think about that for a second. We could pay for the entire defense budget annually if we could just figure out a way to detect Alzheimer's earlier and bring treatment to bear on people. These medical costs, especially surrounding Alzheimer's disease, are exactly the kinds of cost-saving measures that take investment now, that will help human lives, help Americans. That is where Democrats like Nita Lowy and Republicans like Roy Blunt agree, and they're showing leadership. John Easton, um you know, the CAPS deal is important to getting more discretionary funding for things like NIH, but also to make sure that we don't have a defense sequester. Is there any way that we are going to be able to get a CAPS deal? Why doesn't Mitch McConnell just deem something and deem a number and get this thing moving? And, and what you're talking about is, of course, when you're raising the, um, the uh, budget caps that have been set um, by law, uh, which they've been raising every year uh, by, you know, they have to vote on it and they have to pass it. The president has to sign it. And I think that that is where we'll end up probably is to raise that some sort of a deal between Democrats and Republicans to raise these caps, um, def the defense cap side and the, the uh, domestic spending side. Uh, they, the defense will be a little bit higher than, than the domestic spending. Why doesn't Mitch McConnell uh, just you know, deem a number or, you know, say work with this number without a deal because he doesn't want President Trump to come and pull the rug under that deal because he will. Trump will. If he doesn't like it, if he wakes up on the wrong side of the bed, if he, if he sees somebody uh, say the wrong thing, he'll just say, I'm not doing it. And then, and then Mitch McConnell and Richard Shelby of Alabama and all these people that are involved in the, in the appropriations process uh, they've lost their leverage. They've lost their uh, political capital, and it's just a mess. So, Mitch McConnell is not going to play that game. He is going to wait until he sees full support from the White House on a particular direction of this spending package, and then go forward. Then uh, he sees absolutely no upside whatsoever to go early. I mean, this is still kind of late, but go go now versus having an ironclad deal, say in September. Do you think they're going to get a deal before the August recess, or do you think that's going to go off until no. September? Even, even Chairman Shelby of the uh, Senate Appropriations Committee said we're likely looking at the fall because of the, um, the forceful nature of the deadline of the September 30, which, of course, is the end of the fiscal year. Got to have a deal by then, or else what happens? The 
uh, government shuts down. So, you know, you have to have that forcing mechanism, particularly in this era. The problem is you've got on top of the spending package that you need to get done, a deal that needs to be cut with Pelosi, with Trump, with McConnell, is you've got the debt ceiling that we talked about. Got to have that. That's probably going to go in there as well. And you've got you know, closer and closer and closer, you have the USMCA, the, the United States-Mexican-Canada agreement, trade agreement, right? That's now coming. That They're going to send that up probably after September 1st uh, for consideration. And while nobody likes to think that that is part of this whole it's deal. Part, it's part of it. Of course it's part it's of it. It's part of it, yeah. Well, can I ask you guys, just in terms of the election politics, does this have to get done? I mean, I, the things that you just talked about uh, – are real cliffs but don't they have to do this before we get into the actual election year or are we going to end up with some sort of full year-long CR well first of all um, Adam I think they have to get the budget limit extended and I think they're going to do that the debt limit extended and they have to do that till after the next election listen I think politically for the president he's in the prime the pump mode you know, he, he's got to keep this economy growing, and that means get a cap steal, spend more money on defense, make sure that we don't breach our debt limit. Uh, there, there could be some real economic ramifications, which will be bad for him, because a bad economy means Trump doesn't get elected, reelected. Good economy means Trump gets reelected. So I think the Democrats are thinking about this too, John Easton. You know, do they want to give the president all that he wants? And I think the other thing, part of this that is very interesting is how does immigration play into this? Because he's doing all these immigration raids, which makes it even more difficult for the Democrats to cut a deal with this guy. Yeah, and so, um, and that's a, yeah. that's another part of this. I, I think they have to get a deal for the president's reelection. Yeah, that's right. And 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 it's so fascinating to watch the um, the, the personalities at play here: the Trump uh, versus Pelosi play and um and of course you know mcconnell just largely stays out of this fray i mean you've got pelosi at war with some of her freshman democrats you've got pelosi and and trump kind of in a war of words uh you know depending on the day which it can get kind of personal and kind of nasty you've got pelosi just just throwing shade on administration officials every right. other day what's, what's your name again honey? exactly <laughs> exactly that kind of stuff and 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 here's here's mitch mcconnell just oh, just over here just you know, cool as ice. And it's just, it's so fascinating to watch. But I, I, I mentioned this only because those, those, that friction can really be a, a real problem come September when they've got to cut a deal. And, and the problem is when you, when you get to cliffs like this, when you get to these, these hard, hard deadlines, a lot of times good policy does not come out of them. So guys, thinking about this and talking about the chances of a deal before September 30th. Let's say all the, the debt limit is done, the appropriation bills are signed or, or, or agreed to a budget cap. What are the chances of a deal? One being no chance of a deal, 10 being a sure thing. Where do you think a chance of a deal is before September 30th? A deal before September 30th, probably I'd give it a 3 out of 10. Uh, but between September 30th and December 24th, I'd give that about a 9. What do you think, Adam? I'm a proxy for Mr. Easton. He knows more than I, and I always listen to him. I would say the chance of a deal before September 30th is a 7, because you really need to get this debt limit thing resolved before September 30th. Uh, Adam Belmar, what are you buying or selling today? I am buying 
coordination and strategery. Next week, Robert Mueller, the author of the New York Times bestseller, The Mueller Report, is coming to testify supposedly in, in, in public uh, before the House Judiciary and Senate Judiciary Committees. There is a lot to figure out, and they're not done figuring out, but they better. You know why? Because nobody wants to sit and see 10 hours of speeches with no questions and no substance. This could be a big old backfire for everybody who wanted to do this thing. They better get there <clears throat> together. I'm saying do that now. That's a buy. Uh, thank you for the buy because I wasn't sure if you're buying or selling. I'm buying it because buying everybody it. ought to be buying it. The Democrats, the Republicans, if they go into this thing and they think that there you is just, a win for let's, them. Let's face this. You were just trying to find any way to talk about the Mueller report. <laughs> That's for sure. <laughs> What are, you buy, what are you buying yourself? I'm not talking about the Mueller report because I just leave that to this big guy. Um, I am buying as well. I'm buying wages. I'm buying wage growth. Uh, it is, you can say what you will about, uh, you know, how much President Trump has to do with this or that on this economy. And the Democrats will, of course, always say that this is the wrong kind of economy. It could be just busting at the seams and it's still the wrong kind of economy. But what kind of economy is it when... There is wage growth at the bottom when the when the low skill workers are getting raises. That is in part because unemployment has been so low for so long, and that's what happens. Wages start going up, and they're going up at the right places at the right time. And the S and P just touched three thousand yesterday. That's a buy, right? Okay. Or sell, depending. <laughs> buy yeah, on, depending on your strategy. Buy on panic, sell on greed. Um, I am buying a book from my good friend Carl Hulse called Confirmation Bias. It's about the Supreme Court battles and Mitch McConnell's role in it. I am I hear that Mitch McConnell actually likes this book, but it's a fascinating read about the inside story about how our Senate deals with Supreme Court justices. Carl Hulse is a great guy. He's been on the program before. Very good friend. I would say buy Confirmation Bias. Great book. I don't have it with me because I bought it on my iPad, but I'm reading it right now, and it's a great read. With that, I want to thank you all for joining the Fury Theory podcast brought to you by EFB Advocacy. EFB means excellent for business. Yeah, baby.